road to the Super Bowl is long and pointless. I mean, when you think about it. <laughs> Football's so great. But now, the two conference champs must survive a harrowing bye week that no one enjoys. Weeks. Bronco Nagurski didn't get no bye weeks, and now he's dead. Well, maybe they were a good thing. Let's go. All of us were really dumb in our predictions for this playoff season in the NFL, but despite that, we still ended up with a wonderful matchup in the Super Bowl in the desert as Patrick Mahomes and his Kansas City Chiefs lead into a matchup against the Philadelphia Eagles in Jalen Hurts' led NFC Championship team. And guys, here on the Sports Cubicle, it is a yearly tradition where we make our predictions, we look at some profits, and we get excited for the big game happening in one week. Welcome into this edition of the Sports Cubicle, our Super Bowl preview edition of the Sports Cubicle with the marvelous one, Dan Marver. It's Devin Tingle. It's Paul Shavari. I'm Mike Mercado. Guys, we have made it to the big game to this moment, and it's... I think for once, this is one of those moments where chalk really was up to par. There's been plenty of times where a team like the Minnesota Vikings are the number one seed, and we know they're going to be an early exit. This is a year where we are really going to crown a heavyweight champion in the National Football League between the two best teams in the NFL. And I'm excited to get to this game. So I guess before we make our actual predictions, we'll start off with you, Paulie. What did you think when the NFC Championship game came to an end? We saw what happened with San Francisco. It seemed inevitable by the time we got to the second drive of the game that Philadelphia was heading to the Super Bowl. And then Kansas City finally exercising one demon of Joe Burrow winning a game in Arrowhead. So your thoughts when we finally got this matchup of the two number one seeds meeting in the Super Bowl? Well, I wonder if the Eagles were even really challenged in their game because uh, the 49ers just didn't really have it that day. I know there's the injury to Brock Purdy, but even at the same time, bringing in a rookie quarterback with only a handful of starts under his uh, belt in, in that game was already kind of not working in their favor, going on the road. Uh, I would have thought it would have been closer than 31 to seven. Whereas Kansas city, yeah, you could argue that maybe that wasn't the best officiated game. And, and I'm not going to chalk it up to, to that. But um, at the same time, you knew that if it was going to be bills chiefs or Bengals chiefs, that you were going to get a really good game. And I think it was a little bit more neutralized with Mahomes dealing with his high ankle sprain. Uh, whereas if it, maybe if he was healthier, that would have been a little bit more in Kansas city's favor. Um, but I think regardless, regardless, you got two of the best teams. I mean, they were the number ones. They're 14 and three through the regular season, uh, you know, played tough competition, maybe not the toughest competition in their divisional rounds, but, uh, but we're able to get there. They strung together the two wins they needed to get to the game. So I think, I think ultimately when you look at the 2022 season, these are the best two teams, and that's ideally what you want in a Super Bowl is the teams that were good start to finish, not the teams that were only good the last six weeks of the season. So I'm excited about that, um, but we'll see from there what, uh, you know, we'll break it down in terms of uh, how we see it playing out. Dev, when you saw this matchup, the final whistles happened on Sunday night, and we saw who was crowned the NFC and AFC champions and a year where I know here on the sports cubicle and in general sports fans, we do like seeing the underdog. We do like seeing some anarchy and some chaos in the brackets, but this is a time where chalk was kind of a fun matchup. This is the, these are the two most healthiest teams going into this point. You don't have a banged up bills team or a banged up Niners team. You don't have a banged up Cincinnati team. So when you saw that it was going to be Mahomes and, Hurts. It was going to be the Kelsey brothers Super Bowl. that it was going to be the Andy Reid Super Bowl. Your thoughts on this really fun matchup. I must say the Kelsey's parents are going to have a really happy Super Bowl Sunday, no matter who wins or loses that one to be clear here. And to go back to Paul, when he's talking about that, uh, you know, calling us Mahomes, he's like, we're not going to dwell on this yet. You know, he brings up the tuck rule almost 10 years later and still uh, over 10 years. Sounds like it's mad about it here, <laughs> but this is definitely kind of, you know, I don't want to say it's different. What's I mean, the, the point What's your point? I'm, I'm busting your chops because you will never let that go. I mean, Raiders fans point, haven't though? let go of the uh, the Steelers game either, so we know we know that's never going to be a thing. Poor Honestly. Raiders fans, always on the other end of history. 
No, I'm just saying it's like, oh, it's like that call with Mahomes. Yeah, that might have been the right one. Well, we'll we'll just move on from that though, Paul. We get it. It's not your team. But just going into this. That a game was determined by a lack of a whistle in time. You know, it's a it's a late hit. A late hit's a late hit, but but the the whistle was not blown yet when the guy hit him. So I mean you'd like to see consistency. I don't think it's as egregious as like making up a rule in order to give a team an opportunity or having uh, no camera angles or not wanting to make the correct call for fear of uh, losing your life at Three Rivers Stadium. Okay. I don't know how all right, cares. relax. I think, I think there was more to it than that one game. Um, but yeah, no, go on, Devin. You had a point you were trying to make. Yeah, calm down, Mayor Life. But let me uh, get my point out before you start trying to rebuttal yourself here. Or I lost trip. Whatever you want to make your point, we're ready. I'm trying to learn my point now. It's going to be definitely a different Super Bowl. You know, the Chiefs have been this really good team that's come in consistently good for a while here. This is their third Super Bowl they're making under Patrick Mahomes. And I mean, if Mahomes is going to be the guy now that Brady is officially retiring, it's like he, he's got to win this one here. And I mean, if I want to bust Paul's chops a little bit more, you know, Mercado, you said we were all wrong in our predictions. I said the Eagles are going to lose the Super Bowl. So. I can at least have a shot at predicting the loser, right? I'll, you know, take that one to my grave here. But, you know, it's just but going back to Super Bowl, Paul Asia's we're going to live in 2023, not uh, 2000 and late or whatever the hell you're trying to be in here. But it's got, you know, definitely a different, uh, not different, good Super Bowl here. I mean, the Eagles is that team that, you know, can very be up and down. And just keep in mind, this is the second time the Eagles have made the playoffs. I mean, made the Super Bowl with Carson Wentz's backup starting the game. And I mean, you know, of course, the history of two black quarterbacks finally starting this game. It's really nice. And I mean, I'm just hoping the next black quarterback to win a Super Bowl will be Justin Fields. But, uh, you know, that that's what I'm talking about. That's how you bring it back home. Justin Fields, QB1, him, he <laughs> is him. I, you know, you guys bring up some interesting points. That, and it's something that's just hovering over the Super Bowl. It's the number one seeds. And it's Jalen Hurts and Patrick Holmes. It's the two guys along with J- Josh Allen uh, in, on top of the MVP candidates. And I think this matchup is fun for the NFL, for the casuals, for betters. I think this has the intrigue of America that anybody can win this game. And we can see the dynasty continue and the baton really being passed. We will get to the Tom Brady stuff, but that idea of Patrick Holmes winning another Super Bowl, five straight, conference championship games and to see where they're at right now to win another Lombardi, it would be huge for Jalen Hurts and the Eagles. They're the blueprint for a lot of teams, including the Chicago bears on what you can do. If you do it right, if a hundred percent is done correct, you can get to the big game and what it takes to build that type of team. I think there's a lot invested in the Super Bowl. I also think it's really interesting that the Chiefs are underdogs in this game. Very slight underdogs. But if you look at something like uh, DraftKings right now, they're plus one Oh five. Now, it, the, the over-under is 50-and-a-half, and it's a spread of uh, one-and-a-half if you're the going for the Chiefs. So I think there's a lot of juice if you're going to put a couple bucks on the Chiefs simply because if you're looking – if we're talking X-factors of this game, right, and, and Paulie brought this up, the ankle, the high ankle sprain. You're talking about now two weeks before the big game where Travis Kelsey and Patrick Mahomes can get healthy. And this is not going to be a secret of how you stop the Philadelphia Eagles. Jalen Hurts has to beat you with his arm. He can. They have the receivers, but they're going to have to try to contain them. And if Chandler Jones is healthy and he's got two weeks to get healthy, this is a chance for the Chiefs to really capitalize on being the other dog. I'm putting a couple couple cents on Kansas City simply because I'm, I made this, this proclamation when we did our, our playoff preview, right? The Tom Brady effect. Until it's done... Until it's over, I'm not betting against Patrick Mahomes again. I'm not betting against this team. This team had who? What had? Where's Tyreek Hill? On a totally different AFC team, and you haven't seen the difference. That's how good this dude is. He's made. He has Juju Juju, Juju Smith out there and Kadarius Tony. You know, guys who are are shipped off from other teams who have injury problems, and he's and the. Keep in mind that they left the last game with injury too. Yes. And we're still, we haven't seen him practice. So, like, there's, Petra Holmes is that special. And, you know, it hurts Bears fans after that interview his father had over on 670, the score with Parkinson Spiegel, where he was called and he was told he was going to get drafted number three for the Chicago Bears. And, you know, it's always fun to do that butterfly effect thing. But I think we are amongst his era. This is the era of Patrick Mahomes. And you do hope 
that somebody like Justin Fields and these new cats coming up like the Burroughs and the Allens and whether it's Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud or Trevor Lawrence, that they're able to live up to this type of hype, that they're able to meet him in these moments. And I think that the, the breakdown of this game really is going to come down to the front line. The Eagles have the best, arguably the best offensive line in the NFL. And the way they attack and that running game are proof of it. And that's how Kansas City is going to, if you're going to kill Kansas City, it's going to be slowly. So before we make our predictions, let's talk a little bit about what intrigues you of these matchups. I broke down a little bit of what's going into this game. I'll start off with Dev this time. Dev, you see this matchup. What is exciting about it to you? Is it the Mahomes Hurts kind of matchup? Is it the the running game, the fast offense, the chess match between these two coaches on how you could slow down these high power offense? Where are you when it comes to intriguing matchups on the field? Well, I'm gonna honestly say it's gonna be the battle of the quarterbacks for me for several reasons. I'll start with the first one. It's the first time two black quarterbacks are starting off a Super Bowl. I love seeing history get made. That's why I wanted Tom Brady to win as many Super Bowls as possible because I like to live to see history being made especially when it's good history, because we lived through a pandemic. I don't want to live through that bad history too much. I want to see the good here. But you got two great quarterbacks coming in with Patrick Mahomes, a guy who's pretty much proven himself to be the next, you know, goat of the modern, uh, what calls the modern era of the NFL right now, or the, the current era we're living in that they'll have a title for eventually. And Jalen Hurts, a guy who's, you know, definitely good, but still kind of proven himself as he's kind of still very early, early on in his career than Mahomes is, I would say here. And these are two guys that are definitely, it's, it's not like a high-scoring Super Bowl here. I mean, both teams have good defenses, but, you know, they always say the good defense beats the good offense. But what about when both teams have a really good offense and a really good defense here? And I think it's just going to be, in, like, pretty high-scoring. I think, what was it, the uh, Chiefs and the Rams had that, like, one insanely high, like, 50-something like, uh, game. I could see this being a Super Bowl like that, or, like, you know, the final score is close to 100 if you had both teams' numbers together here. I think this is what we're going to see. We're going to see a high-scoring Super Bowl. And as we always notice, the higher the score, the more people watch the Super Bowl here. So, I mean, that's a nice little plug, too, that, you know, it's going to be much more watched here. But I'm just – this is going to be a very interesting Super Bowl here because it's like you have the guy who is probably going to become the quarterback everyone starts to hate in the future when he's winning all the time. And the guy who might be, you know, in his – I don't want to say this is Jalen Hurts, like, prove-it stage – but this is definitely a point like in his career where he's young enough. It's like if he wins this here, this could be, you know, big fat contract, you know, for many years to come. Paulie, where are you on the field? The matchups, whether it's head to head or it's something that just the storylines going through legacies, whether it is Jalen Hurts and, and what he's able to establish slaying this dragon. Where are you when it comes to kind of these on the field stories, these matchups, something that's intriguing you for this, for the Super Bowl matchup. Patrick Mahomes versus the Philadelphia Eagles defense. Yeah. Uh, we know that they had the third most sacks all time in a season with 70 this year. Uh, we know that they're going to put a lot of pressure on Mahomes. And we know that Mahomes is compromised with the high ankle sprain, although he has a couple of weeks to rejuvenate and hopefully regain his form. We know that he depends on Travis Kelsey a lot, although the numbers that I saw it looked like tight ends didn't do particularly well against the Eagles this year, but not, uh, not too terrible. Um, and then, of course, the wide receivers that are injured, Kadarius Toney, Juju Smith-Schuster. Uh, I think I just saw that Nicole Hardman is, is officially ruled out or close to being officially ruled out. So – so Mahomes has um, quite the um, obstacles to overcome if he's going to be successful in, in this, uh, this version of the Super Bowl. So that, that's going to be the biggest thing to me. I think that's going to be the most exciting is when you have, you know, ch uh, Chiefs offense versus Eagles defense on the field. I think that's going to be what I'm going to be watching the most. So we're at this moment now where I think a lot of the NFL, a lot of viewers a lot of people who are intrigued in the sport are going to see how these how can you build your teams like this right not everybody can find a Patrick Mahomes and Jalen Hurts is a good quarterback with a lot of talents so I think it's the copycat league more than almost any other sport in, in, in all the pros in in the entire world the NFL is such a copycat league from from year to year that I don't know how you replicate and duplicate what these two teams are doing because you have, if you're Paulie just brought up the numbers, you got to hit on every level of defense, especially the interior. Same thing on the offensive side. 
And I, that's what I take from these Super Bowls, you know, as a nerd of the sport is how are you able to take and learn from these organizations and implement them into your favorite team? And it's hard because not everybody, you know, the Raiders and the Bears don't have a Patrick Mahomes. You know, neither one of these teams have arguably the best offensive line in the sport. And that really impacts where you're at and how you get to this moment. And also the, the war of attrition getting you to this moment. The fact that Mahomes was able to survive in Arrowhead against Cincinnati. And is it just enough time to get you to that last moment, to get you to that last game? You know, we, we mentioned the idea of like how you got to make sure you funnel in Jalen Hurts and you control him in the pocket. Mahomes has that X factor where the weird arm angles, the weird body angles, where even when you think you got him, the play's not over until that whistle is blown. And we saw that in this last game, but we know that any play can be had if he has the ball and the referee hasn't blown that whistle. So the Eagles also have to play that dangerous game where we can't, we can't allow ourselves to make stupid mistakes on the quarterback, but this dude is hard to take down. This dude is hard to end a play with. And I think these are the intriguing matchups that we're going to see, right? Because we haven't really talked about Dallas Goddard, these playoffs on the, the Phillips side, he's coming back from a major injury. You talk about a freak unicorn on tight end. You know, we they have A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith, Miles Sanders, Kenneth Gainwell. This is a good team. This is a really good team. So I think as much as I'm hyping up Kansas City, this could be a route. I don't think any of us have really talked about it, whether it's mainstream, national, or local media. This game has all the possibilities of being a classic, but also being an absolute butt-kicking route by the time we're done with it. This has the chance of, by halftime, a team being down by 17 points. Now, the intriguing thing, the devil's advocate, the argument is, yeah, that team is down 17 points, but you know the game ain't over with these two teams. So that I think there's so many things that we could get excited about when it comes to this matchup. Now, I think the only more exciting than making our picks is the novelty of the Super Bowl. So before we get to the main events, where we make our final predictions on the score, the winner, and the Super Bowl MVP. Let's take a look at some of these novelty predictions. And we're going to put a little bit of show credits, if you will. The one who gets the most correct of these novelty picks over at our friends at some of these betting websites will be the king of the Super Bowl. Novelty king of the Super Bowl. Because you have to be the champion of our predictions. And you guys know, I think for most people, the squares... And the betting is the most exciting part for America. We like the game, but America enjoys all the other stuff around it. So I think it's time we get right into it, guys. What do you think? Let's get into something fun. I will start off with Pauly Dangerous, okay? Pauly, the coin toss, heads or tails? Uh, well, before I get into that, I'd like to make a reference that Carl Sheffers is the uh, referee for this one. This will be the third Super Bowl he's worked. The other two are Super Bowl 49. I'm sorry, he was the alternate in 49 uh, the last time it was in Arizona. But he actually uh, did work Super Bowl 51, which is the only Super Bowl to go to overtime, the famous 28 to 3. And uh, Super Bowl uh, 55, uh, which was Patrick Mahomes' uh, loss to the Buccaneers. Uh, and he called eight penalties uh, for 95 yards against the Chiefs in the first half, which are both records. So. I don't know how that's going to factor into this one, but I thought that was interesting that Carl Sheppers uh, is uh, one to be involved in history when it comes to Super Bowls. Uh, as far matters. as the coin toss, though, I'm going to say, I'm going to say tails. Okay, you're going to tails. And I, I'm glad you brought up that thing. It's really keep your third eye open, friends, when you're looking at some of these things, who's officiating these games, what the weather is like, how this person is in February, how this person is at officiating, how the league decides who officiates these games, their grading scale. It's really interesting stuff. I'm glad you brought that up, Polly. That's something we'll talk about next season, but you're going with tails. Uh, Devin, heads or tails? Well, let's see. I got this quarter out of the vending machine today, so let's just put it to the test right now. It's up. It went down. all the way to the side of the room. It went down the other side of the room. Tails. It is tails. There we go. Tails. I will go with heads. All right, one time around. Polly, you went? Tails. Tails, tails, heads. All right, so I have a chance to win this one. There we go. Let's make sure we mark this down. This all-important novelty championship. All right, how about this one? Who wins the coin toss? The Eagles or the Chiefs? Devin. 
Uh, let's just leave it to the coin again. And it's heads, so I'll say Chiefs. Chiefs, all right. Pauly? I'm going to say Chiefs as well. You know what? I'm going to go Eagles. <laughs> let's go with it again. I like to play, uh, uh, what is it? The price is right. I'm the $1, Bob. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the $1 uh, price is right, yeah. All right, guys. So I think we maybe we'll do one more novelty one, and then we'll get to some serious over-unders and some prop bets on the actual field. What color will the Gatorade be? Polly? Yeah. Uh, let's go classic orange. Devin? Uh, Paul took my answer, so I'll say that, like, yellow-greenish kind. That's the stuff I see everywhere. I'm going to go blue. I think it's going to be the ice frost, the Arctic frost color. I think it will be blue is the Gatorade that is shown to be pouring all over the coach of the winning team of the Super Bowl. And if you're joining us over on the YouTube, the marvelous one has joined us. It couldn't have been a Super Bowl prediction show without the marvelous one, Dan Marver. Dan, we are making our novelty picks. We'll get you those online later. I more importantly, Let's get your thoughts on the big game. Eagles and the Chiefs. Hurts, Mahomes. Your thoughts on the Super Bowl? Are you excited? What what has you going when it comes to this huge game coming up next Sunday? I'm, I'm pretty excited. I mean, it, it's uh, there's a big buildup with the two weeks and all. I think that, uh, that Mahomes will uh, prevail in this game. Kansas City, I like in this game uh, to uh, win the Super Bowl this year. And uh, – I think that uh, he just has a little a bit of, a little extra motivation since uh, he's been close. And, uh, you know, and, and I think that this is his time. I think that maybe Philadelphia will be next time. You know how that works. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. Marvelous. Before we move on more on this conversation, we get your novelty picks. Who is the MVP this season? Patrick Mahomes or Jalen Hurts? Wow. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, that's a good. Yeah, that, that's really a good one. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> what do you what do you guys think? So you t- I think the MVP, and this is why I'm leaning towards the Chiefs when it comes to maybe putting a little bit of an allowance on DraftKings <laughs> is until I'm proven wrong, until he, until he's been slain, Patrick Mahomes is the guy. And it's the Michael Jordan effect. The only reason Michael Jordan didn't win an MVP every year is because you could you didn't want to vote for him every single year. Right. You know, and I uh, think Mahomes is kind of going through that right now. Uh-huh. But it's something maybe we should just keep kind of underlining this whole conversation. There's Absolutely. a good matchup between two number ones, but it's all right. a matchup between the two favorites of the MVP, MVP conversation. Okay, you marvelous. got me convinced. And Marvelous, before we get to uh, your novelty picks, let me ask you this. As a Bears fan, you're seeing these two teams. You know you can't have a Patrick Mahomes. You might have been able to, but you can't have him, right? Right. And you know everything needs to go right for the Eagles for them to get to this moment when it came to building their offense and the defensive line, how great that defense is, all the weapons on offense. What can you take as a Bears fan, somebody who's watched football, to integrate? What would you like to see the Bears take from them? Would it be having a a, a vicious front four, front seven? What, were, what would you want to take from some of these teams in the Super Bowl? Um, a good core of wide receivers and protection on the offensive line. And that actually, in a way, I'm more concerned about the offense and the defense because it seems like, you know, you can have honestly an average defense and an outstanding offense and be a winner, in my opinion. <laughs> so marvelous. Let's catch you up now. All right. Heads or tails. What is it going to be to start the Super Bowl? <laughs> tails. Who wins the coin toss, the Eagles or the Chiefs? Eagles. And what is the color of the Gatorade that is going to be poured at the winning coach? Um, sort of a yellow. <laughs> okay, there you go. All right, we're going to go. There we go. All right, we are all caught up here as we are doing our one of our favorite shows of the year, the Super Bowl prediction show here on the Sports Cubicle. It is the marvelous one, Dan Marver. It is Devin Tingle. It's Paul Shavari. I'm Mike Mercado. Let's get right into it now. Joe Burrow, over under two and a half touchdowns. Paulie. Uh, wait, would you say Joe Burrow over Joe two and Burrow, a half over touchdowns? Joe Burrow, over under two and a half touchdowns. We would say that. Would say someone who's in the Super Bowl. Oh, I'm Jalen Jalen Hurts. You mean Jalen Hurts? <laughs> my man crush. Everybody knows uh, my man over- crushes Joe Burrow. Continue. Mercado got his notes okay, from last okay, year's. Uh, right. Yeah. Say, are you on the right DraftKings right now? Um, uh, uh, Jalen Hurts, two two Super Bowls, two and a half uh, touchdowns thrown. Sorry, two, two touchdowns. I mean, um, 
I'll, I'll say push unless you say two and a half. I'll say under. No, yeah, two and a half thrown touchdowns. Oh, then under. Devin? I'm going to say even. Well, it's two and a half, though. Two and a half. Yeah, I think he'll score. I definitely think he'll throw two, though. So that Cal qualify as under then? Yes. Under, okay, yeah, enough. unless you think he's going to throw three. Yeah, all right. I'll say I'll say under with two. Marvelous. Jalen Hurts, two and a half, over, under on touchdowns thrown. Over. Okay, there we go. Yeah. Same thing now. We'll start with Marvelous. Mahomes, two and a half, thrown touchdowns. Uh, actually, I'm going under because the, the running game will be better than Philadelphia's, I think. Interesting. Dev? I'm going to say over because everyone keeps talking about Mahomes' ankle, Mahomes' ankle. I think Mahomes is definitely trying to, like, I think he's going to try and prove, like, I can, he's going to do the, what I call the Brett Favre syndrome, where it's like, I'm injured, so I'm going to try to prove to you, or I'm hurting, I should say, so I'm going to try to prove to you I'm even better than you think I am. Pauly. I'm going to say over kind of for the same reasons that Devin's saying, but uh, but more of uh, he's compromised by the ankle, so he's going to have to throw. So I think I think three would, would do it. So you could put me down. Jalen Hurts under two and a half, thrown touchdowns. Mahomes over two and a half, thrown touchdowns. This is another fun one, I believe. Miles Sanders over under 65 and a half rushing yards. Pauly. I'll go over. Devin. I will also go over. Marver. You got to go with the guys over. I'm going to go under. But we'll do this one. Miles Sanders over Are you doing under. that to be different or do you have a reason why you're going under? Because I believe the Eagles run game is at its best when they're attacking on the goal line, when they're in the red zone. I think they're able to open up the offense, obviously play action and being able to, to kind of soften up the defense. But, when they're the, at their most dangerous is when A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith, Dallas Goddard have caught a ball at the 10-yard line, and now you have to decide between Kenneth Gaywell, Miles Sanders, and Jalen Hurts who you're going to stop. So I'm going to go under for this reason, and it's not going to be Miles Sanders. Over under, one and a half rushing touchdowns for Jalen Hurts. That I will go over. Devin. He's over, okay. The rushing touchdowns for Jalen Hurts. Over one and a half. Definitely under. Okay. Pauly. I'm also going to say under. Marvelous. Under as well. Okay. And I saw my shadow today, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> That's what took me so long. All the fans were still gathered around. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And in our last one, we'll do a Travis Kelsey one. Okay. Travis Kelsey over under one and a half touchdown catches. I will start with Marvelous. Marver, Travis Kelsey over under one and a half touchdown catches. Over. Ooh, over. Polly? Under. Devin? I'm going to say over, and I'm going to say he's going to have one relative playing in the Super Bowl, so I can be like Paul and just try to take as much as I can to claim a win here. <laughs> Every inch counts. I'm going to go over, too. So it's let's get to it. It's time to put the feet to the fire. We've made our fun picks. We know what color the Gatorade is going to be. But now it's time to predict to make sure that people listening to the sports cubicle are able to win their office pools, are able to win some money on our favorite apps. It is time to make our predictions for the Super Bowl between the AFC champion Kansas City Chiefs and the NFC champion Philadelphia Eagles. We will start with Paulie. Paulie Dangerous, who wins between the Kansas City Chiefs and the Philadelphia Eagles next Sunday in the Super Bowl? This was hard. This this is a hard prediction to make. Uh, but I got Eagles thirty one to twenty seven. Despite throwing an interception, Jalen Hurts gets MVP because he gets a rushing touchdown, two receiving or two passing touchdowns, three hundred and seventy five to four hundred all purpose yards. We're gonna go with Devin. Devin Eagles Chiefs. Who do you got? What's the score? Your MVP. Well, let's be real here. I kind of started this whole uh, playoff saying the Eagles are going to lose the Super Bowl. I think I'm going to stick to that, although if they win, I'd be pretty happy about that one here. But I'm definitely going to say Chiefs over Eagles on, on this one. I'm going to say 42 to 37. I think it's going to be pretty high scoring. And I'm going to think Mahomes is going to get MVP just hands down. Like, there's going to be no con no contest. Marvelous. We have an Eagles, uh, we have a Chiefs. Which yeah, way are you I'm, leaning in the big yeah, game? Chiefs, I'm leaning 
a little lower score, 28-17. And this way, Philadelphia will have both lost the Super Bowl and the World Series in the same season. <laughs> Tough break, right? Because we all just feel so bad for all those Philadelphia fans around the world. Every uh, New York I, dream. Yeah, yeah. All that probably love. So it, this is a fun matchup. I mean, we, we've talked about it on so many different directions. And I, my only hope is that both teams have fun. My only hope is that it is a fun matchup. That is a good game. That there are little to no mistakes. That the referees aren't involved in it, which you know they will be. And that these the two best teams are out there showing why they were the best two teams for Pillar to post. It's tough. I know I'm not going to go against Mahomes. I don't want to go against Mahomes. So I'm not going to go against Mahomes. 28-23, Chiefs win the Super Bowl. Patrick Mahomes is your MVP. Guys, I can't believe we've made it to Super Bowl Sunday. Every week. It, and, you know, we're, we're going to break down the Super Bowl and everything. And we got a lot to get to still. We got to talk about Bobby Hall. We got to talk about Tom Brady. But it was so much fun. Every Sunday with Marvelous breaking down Bears games. It was so much fun talking with Devin. The rare times we were able to when he was able to get out of the crazy studios of CPT with Pauly and watch some of these games and break them down with me. And it was fun every Monday and Friday arguing with Pauly about the National Football League, whether it was on mic or off mic. It is our favorite season here on the Sports Cubicle. We're able to talk to the community and kind of just show our mo- the most meatball fan that we can be in the season. So we're going to p- post all the predictions. We're going to have our post-game show, but I've enjoyed so much this NFL season, and I've enjoyed doing it with my boys here on the Sports Cubicle. But we want to know your predictions for the big game between the Chiefs and the Eagles. We're on Twitter at Sports Cubicle TV. Guys, we have a minute left. Final thoughts on Super Bowl Eagles, Chiefs, Paulie. I think it's going to be really exciting. I think no matter what, we should have a good game. I mean, there are the two number ones, two great quarterbacks like we talked about. I'm hoping that the score stays within 10 points, and I hope it's uh, exciting all the way to the end. Devin. Uh, we got, like Paul said, we got the two number one seeds. We got the best te- best teams you know, on paper and in the game playing here. I think it's going to be real high scoring. I think it's going to be real entertaining, and maybe this will be the Super Bowl that you know, starts bringing in some of those younger fans. Marvelous. How excited? Final thoughts. Oh, Super Bowl. I'm excited. I'm excited. Well, the Chiefs won the Super Bowl in 69 and 2019. So I, I'm saying they're not going to have to wait 50 years for the next one. <laughs> I'm saying this this is their time now. So, uh, yeah, they're going to – they've been in five, and uh, this will be their third win. Make sure you guys are all being safe and sound. Don't drink and drive. Eat a bunch of food. Watch the game. Enjoy it with friends. And enjoy the fact that we are able to watch a fairly normal – Super Bowl, all things being equal. Think about how far we've come from that DeMar Hamlin thing. Again, that's a whole conversation, a whole different conversation about our attitudes as football fans. But I'm glad that in seven short days from this Sunday, we get to see an awesome Super Bowl matchup. For the marvelous one, Dan Marver. For Devin Tingle, for Paul Shavari, I'm Mike Mercado. Enjoy the Super Bowl. really interesting last few days for sports fans in Chicago to deal with this story of the passing of Bobby Hall. And I think us here on the sports cubicle, it is our job. If we get to talk about the fun stuff, whether it's the NBA, the Super Bowl, Justin Fields, MLB, all the nerdy stuff that we have to talk about the important things, good and bad. And I I'm so happy that I am proud and thankful. I get to do it with the marvelous one, Dan Marver, Devin Tingle and Paul Shavari. And you know, I think when you talk about in today's day and age, you have to be fair about situations. And if we're going to talk about the greatness that is Bobby Hall, the nicknames and the legacy of him and Makita and what it meant to that era of hockey and hockey fans into the city, we have to keep it honest of the bad stuff too. And I want to talk to you guys about a guy who was one of the greatest to ever do it. One of the fixtures of sports in our city who has a horrible past also being convicted of domestic violence and how we have to talk about these stories. You know, nobody, nobody's perfect and nobody's able to do this the right way. 
we can only do it our way. And that's why I'm proud to do it with you guys. So I'm going to start off with Pauly. I mean, you're somebody who you really try to, you know, have empathy, sympathy, and awareness of everything that's going on. You also try your best to acknowledge history and embrace it. And you, you've, we've done this story so many times, but when the passing ha- happened to Bobby Hall, your thoughts, your, your kind of emotions, especially over the last few mo- uh, f- months and years of dealing with the Blackhawks of this entire story, good and bad. Um, you know, I, I spent kind of the, the last few years just kind of railing on Bobby Hall for his off the ice stuff. Um, I think we all we all know about the domestic violence and just kind of how lousy of a person he was um, in that regard. And I've, and I've heard mixed things. You know, I've heard um, some um, unabashed, uh, you know, just uh, just really outdated thoughts. But I've also heard people talk about how, how nice he was uh, to them and how, you know, there were times where he would give people uh, his time and he'd just want to hang out. So, um, you know, I spent I spent the last few years talking about how terrible of a person he was. So. I, I guess in this regard, it's it's all been kind of said this week. There's nothing, there's nothing under the table right now about how terrible of a person he was. But as far as a hockey player, it's it's ridiculous how good this guy was on the ice. You know, several years leading the league in goals. Uh, I think the, like three seasons with the Hawks that he led the league in in points. Um, you know, all sorts of what, Lady Bing trophies, uh, Ross trophies, Hart trophies. Uh, winning the Stanley cup with the Hawks, which uh, was a hard thing to do before the 2010s. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's a legendary career, uh, clearly someone that we need to talk about regardless of how awful of a person he was off the ice. And, and I think that we need to bring that awareness though, of um, maybe not a person that, that should be a role model in anyone's life, uh, but definitely someone who's uh, changed the game of hockey was an important part of the storyline of hockey. And, um, at least for his on ice things uh, deserves to have the number nine hanging up in the rafters at the United center. Um, and, and hopefully people can learn from uh, the off the ice stuff because, you know, it's, it's a violent sport. Uh, he played without a helmet, you know, it, it's a uh, different era and, and perhaps, uh, you know, some of that, that off the ice violence might be um, symptomatic of what happened on the ice. I think it's the idea of artists and art. Can you separate the two? And I think that's the thing. And I, I think the only reason we bring this up is because we have to be real, right? I mean, that's the one thing the four of us have tried to do the best when it comes to doing this show is just being honest with it. Like nobody's saying anything out of pocket or that isn't true. It's we're just having the conversation because this is what happens with people when you get to the age of 83, 84 years old and you've had that type of life. And Marver, I know this is something that you've seen the good and the bad. You've read the good and the bad. You've experienced the good and the bad. But knowing the 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 I, you can't even say the checkered history the 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 acknowledge awful history but also the impact and the history of the sport it's a complicated situation but feel free this is this is your your time what did you think about this entire this entire story of the passing of Bobby Hall yeah well I watched Bobby Hall in Chicago Stadium with people smoking it was smoky I was in the, I was my seat was in the was in the balcony it was in the corner of the balcony where you were closer to the ice and the people below you but here's the thing. I mean, aside from his personal life, there's a statue outside the uh, United Center of him now, you know, so he's 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 earned that for his, for his performance on the ice. The 50-goal mark was like the Babe Ruth thing for hockey. 50 goals, Maurice Richard, Bernie Jeffrey on, and he, and he passed that in 1966 with his uh, 51st goal. So it was kind of like the Babe Ruth thing, in the, you know, for hockey at that time. So that was quite an accomplishment. And even though there are only six teams <laughs> – <laughs> when they won the Stanley Cup for the first time in 61 and 23 years, I mean, it was dominated by Montreal mostly and, and, and Toronto uh, over those years. But, you know, it would seem like they should have gotten more with just six teams, but they didn't. But they did get that one in 61 and uh, led mostly by, by, by Bobby Hall's great goal scoring. And, you know, as a player, uh, it was like he would fly down the ice, blonde hair, flying, and it's a terrific slap shot. And uh, he, he hit all the the, the uh, characteristics of a of you know a, a boy a, you know a, a blonde boy wonder as a youngster. And uh, his passing is sad, and some of his later off the ice exploits that mar his image. But I remember more as that blonde boy flying down the ice in the '60s, and uh, when I was uh, a, a little lad, shall we say. <laughs> it's, it's important though marvelous and i'm glad you brought that up because it the impact right 
it, again, it goes to show it's like you, we just got to be honest with ourselves. Everything on the table. And I think it's great to be able to say it's like this dude was special on the ice. And he also did these things. Both things can be true simultaneously. And I think it's great to have the 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 knowledge and be able to have the source of somebody like you who saw in the prime in arguably the coolest stadium in one of the most important franchises in all of sports. So, you know, it, it just goes so interesting. And, and Devin, you hear the story, you read the story, you know, you, you, you know, the old heads talk about him, you know, how the new generation, how the organization, the old man, how he felt about him and how this organization tried to embrace and all the, the blemishes and all the, the gross, but all the greatness. I mean, this entire story, it's complicated, right? Absolutely. I mean, we've talked about this in a lot of situations where we try to separate the athlete or the artist from the person. And there's certain cases that's just too hard to do here for some of the crimes they've done or what they've done the time here. And I mean, I'm glad we have someone like Marvin here to bring it up. It's like, because for uh, you, myself and Paul, we didn't see Bobby Hall growing up. We don't have that emotional connection of seeing that. Whereas Marvin does where it's like, it's a little bit hard to separate the man from the athlete there where for us, it's so easy to be like, no, you're a POS for what you did there. And I mean, it is one of those things where it's like, I do think history, it's something you got to learn from here. And again, no one's brought up the, you know, is it possible he has some CTE or some possible, you know, brain damage from, you know, not wearing the helmet and clonked around. Cause they realize a lot of these guys in all sports had like brains of like 80 year olds with autism, uh, not a, of, uh, Alzheimer's, Alzheimer's. Thank you. And like, they're like mid to like, you know, late forties. It's really just tragic there. I mean, we've definitely learned a lot there is I can't think of a sport that, you know, has heavy contact where they're not wearing helmets or something to protect their noggin, but it is just one of those things that it's, I mean, for his contribution to the Hawks, Bobby Hall, great. His number deserves there. And uh, I remember reading a book about the Blackhawks in elementary school. He actually broke the curse of the Blackhawks, by the way, guys, by winning that Stanley cup. So the 2004 Red Sox, they can shut the hell up about the curse. <laughs> family. There was another team that broke their curse long before them, but I'm sorry, you're, no, I'm glad you guys brought up the CT, Paulie. You know, you you kind of circled it first, and Paul and Devin kind of bringing it back home. How important it is to just know, right? Like how different the science and the community. And we talked to actually, we had a great conversation that you're going to be able to check out next week here on WCPT. But if you go onto the YouTube channel or at Mercado Airwaves Network or wherever, all of our social medias, we actually talked to Chicago Steel, the the awesome hockey organization, over with President Dan Lev. And we talked about kind of the impact of the, the Blackhawks and what they've done and kind of the image, right? And I don't want to end it on a dollar note, but let's keep it all honest. We know what happened with, with Bobby Hall. We saw what happened with the old man. We now see what's happening with, with Rocky. And we saw what happened with Patrick Kane. This is an organization that has had a hard time keeping its big name stars away from trouble other than Jonathan says, and even then saying the whole COVID situation was a little weird. So I think there is something to this idea of like that sport changes a dude after playing it since he was seven years old. And with that in mind, I think it's important and I think it's okay to acknowledge the greatness and acknowledge the blemishes, no matter how severe or how little, but in the, as severe in this case, or as little as jaywalking, the idea is, Got to be honest about the situation and our fans deserve it. Our audience deserves it. We can't sugar foot around the idea of who this person is. And guess what? The God forbid the day Michael Jordan leaves us. We're going to have to be honest about Michael about a lot of different things. That's what happens with our, our big name celebrities, the people we put into those pedal stools. And I hope over time, these generations younger than us are better than us that they don't, they see these people as just, people but we only have about a minute left here on this on this topic i know it's something that we'll be talking about the city is losing its legends every single year cup fans white Sox fans have seen it and it's only going to get worse as time goes on and i think it's just something we have to prepare for but we have a minute left paul any final thoughts on the the bobby the passing of bobby hall uh it's it's officially an end of an era because i can't think of too many people that are still around from the the 1960s and 70s blackhawks so um, kind of puts that era to, to rest. And, and I think, um, you know, I've been kind of going on about how the Blackhawks really need to take a hard look in the mirror about how this organization wants to present themselves. And I think um, whether they wanted to or not, this kind of wipes the slate clean a little bit in terms of they're not trotting him out anymore as, as an ambassador for the team or, um, you know, having, you know, the, li the living legend there with them. It's, you know, it's a, it's a bygone era now. So, 
um, you know, another another chance for the Blackhawks to take a hard look in the mirror and decide how they want to uh, go forward as an organization. Dev, final thoughts? Uh, I'll take classic quote of uh, heroes are remembered, but legends never die because Bobby Hall is no hero. But when it comes to hockey, he's an absolute legend. I mean, you can't you can't take away those accomplishments. You can't take those accomplishments away from him just what he did off there. It is the separation of the two, but it's like it's I'm I'm torn, Mercado. It's just my best way to say it. I'm kind of torn here. Marvelous. You saw the yeah. man. You yeah, know well, the legend. Your final thoughts I, on the past. Yeah, I, you know, obviously when somebody gets to a certain age, it's, it's inevitable, but in his case, uh, you know, it's, it's the end of that era. And and I was just thinking about that era too. Not only did that have helmets, the goalies did not have masks. Thinking of Glenn Hall, I can name them. I can, they only had five other goalies in the league. Saw Chuck Bauer, uh, Giacomo and, uh, you know, and Worsley, the, and, they, we, and they, you know, I knew all the players because there were so few teams. But be that as it may, yeah, it's it's uh, the end of that era, and uh, and uh, so on we go, and uh, you know, time passes, and uh, nobody nobody lasts forever, good, bad, or indifferent. And uh, so, you know, that's that's my thought on that situation. A hundred percent. We're glad that we could get that perspective too. It's in, invaluable when you're talking to three dummies like us. I have somebody that actually saw history, so it's really appreciated here. And you know, I think my final thoughts are: be better, people. No matter how great you are at your job, just try to be the best person you can be. And if you can't, learn from others' mistakes. Let's not repeat them, please. So I think that that was really important because Devin, we had a conversation for all the hockey fans who are listening. We had a conversation that will be airing next week on the radio station, but can be found on socials as of Friday. What uh, we talk about grooming and making sure that our young men and women are awesome to society and our community. Who do we talk to with? Who do we talk with? Who do we have on the show that the awesome people can can listen to? Oh, Dan Love, uh, president of Chicago Steel. And I don't have my notes here, but he's a two-time award winner of uh, some executive of the year award. Uh, wish I had my notes by next week. Yeah, you can catch that uh, next week. And if you listen to the podcast of this, it'll actually be on right after our show kind of goes there. So a little bit of a treat for those, uh, you know, those few people like to listen to the podcast. The people like to sleep at nine o'clock at night on a Sunday, as opposed <laughs> to staying party with a sports cubicle. We're on Twitter at Sports Cubicle TV. It's Paulie. He's Paul Shavari. It's Devin. It's Devin Tingle. It's the marvelous one. It's Dan Marver. I'm Mike Mercado. And now for our exclusive podcast interview. It is going to be a jam-packed episode of the Sports Keep It Go here with the marvelous one, Dan Marver, Devin Single, Paul Shavari, and myself, Mike Mercado. And of course, we're going to be making our Super Bowl predictions. Of course, we're going to be hitting all the crazy news that's happened throughout the week in the world of sports, Chicago and nationwide. But we have a very fun treat. We have something that we don't get to normally do. Dev, what do we have going today? Well, today, Mercado, we actually have president of the Chicago Steel and two-time Dave Tyler, USHL Executive of the Year. Only guy to win it twice, by the way, Dan Love. Dan, thanks for joining us today. Thank you. Yes, I, I make my wife introduce me that way when we meet new people. So I, I appreciate that. And you're still married. That's even better. So uh, Shockingly, Dan. yes. <laughs> so, Dan, uh, Chicago Steel on February 18th has Blackhawks night coming up. So I just want to say, I mean, other than the Blackhawks being the mainstay of Chicago hockey that we know is, what kind of made you uh, think to have a Blackhawks night? And more importantly, how did you get Stanley Cup champion Brian Campbell and Tommy Hawk to show up for you? Well, we've been really fortunate. We've been at the Fox Valley Ice Arena since 2015, and we have had a partnership with the Chicago Blackhawks ever since to present a, a night like this, Chicago Blackhawks night. They're always extremely generous in terms of access to, to former players. Uh, Tommy Hawk has been a big hit coming out to uh, our games in the past and, and entertaining our crowd. We've had Jim Cornelison out in the past to sing the national anthem, not just for Chicago Blackhawks night, but also for uh uh, times that we've advanced to the Clark Cup Finals, so uh, they see the the greater opportunity to to help uh, advance hockey in this market. We collectively work towards that uh, from a grassroots standpoint, uh, all the way up to the USHL where we are, to the American Hockey League where they have their affiliate in Rockford, and then obviously to the National Hockey League level. So uh, proud to be partnered with the Chicago Blackhawks on this event and and really other initiatives that um, that we can find to, to help grow the game in our area. 
So since you've taken over and you've kind of, you know, your family and everybody's been part of this community coming up in 2015, in the midst, if, if not the ending of that dynasty run, did you ever think that this market would charge and fall in love with the sport of hockey for a new generation the way it did watching all these young cats come up you know obviously we know about the canes and tays and like the major mark but the the youth the youth hockey kind of taking over and having resurgence what has that done for you were you surprised how that just took off in this city in this market I wouldn't say that we're surprised because of the incredible success that the Blackhawks have had and the work that they've done at the grassroots level to try and grow the game. There was always a a strong presence in Chicagoland for youth hockey uh, that has obviously grown exponentially. What what surprises me or uh, is, is actually we bring in a new intern class to work for the Chicago Steel every year and those interviews it's pretty consistent. When did you fall in love with the sport of hockey? Well, I was watching game six in 2010, or I got captivated by the Blackhawks run. I was never a hockey fan until, you know, and they'd name, you know, Jonathan Taves came along or Duncan Keith did this. And so that's, what's been incredibly impressive to, to me is just seeing it firsthand how this you know this generation doesn't surprise me because of the work that the blackhawks have done at the grassroots level and and we'd like to think that we contribute to that uh as well but it's it's those conversations those individual conversations i was never a hockey fan and now i want to work in the industry i want to work in sports i want to find a way to break in and so uh you know where we are on the ladder of development being the ushl the best 16 to 20 year olds that come to our league uh they go from here mostly to college hockey though you do get the rare exception that makes that jump directly to the nhl what's awesome for us is that we have this whole new generation of fans who are hockey crazed that want to see future college and pro superstars that want to see macklin celebrini come play for us and all of these other names that you're going to be hearing at the United Center several years from now. So it's been an awesome transformation in this market. And we we do give the Blackhawks a ton of credit, not just for the work they did on the ice, but off the ice as well. Dan, I'm gr- I'm glad you brought that up because uh, Paulie Dangerous here. He uh, he loves. He's our resident baseball expert. He does a great job of covering the league. But something he's very passionate about is minor league baseball, and something that we're very passionate here on the Sports Cubicle is the economic and the the relationship between local teams and its community. And you're seeing that. I love hearing your your connection with the Chicago Steel and the, the relocation and how you're integrating yourself, you know, in in the community, but you know, this is something I, I, we're going to throw to Pauly with, but I wanted to wanted to ask you before we throw to Pauly is how important is it for you seeing in all the major sports where specifically baseball, where it was a, a big part of the community to kind of do the same where you guys are at to really I- install yourself as a tradition, as a place to come watch the youth, as a place to honor and 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 kind of give new life to the game. How important is that for the organization, for you, the players, the staff? to kind of being that new part of a community. So I worked in baseball for 11 years, and one of my mentors is Mike Veck, the son of Bill Veck, who's in the Baseball Hall of Fame for owning you know, four teams. He owned the White Sox, obviously, uh, introduced the exploding scoreboard at, at Comiskey Park uh, and brought the idea that baseball can be fun. It doesn't just have to be about wins and losses. It can be about the experience. And Mike, I think, has the, the best line uh, that goes along with what you were saying. And that line is, A community doesn't need a team, but a team needs a community. And there's no truer statement. In order to do what we do at the minor league level, we need the grassroots support. We need to be involved in youth hockey. We need to be involved in various initiatives that are important to the local community uh, in which we play. And so it's a must. It's not a a want or a desire. Like we, we have to do that. And it's the only way that we can grow from a grassroots level. And so the Chicago Steel were in Bensonville for 15 years and then made the move to Geneva in the summer of 2015 with a change in ownership, seemingly overnight. I came into the organization in August of 2015, right as we were making the move, and we started playing that season, that 2015-16 season, in September. 
And so over the past seven and a half years, we've tried to, to, to grow that bond and we've tried to do it in a, in a bunch of different ways, certainly from a youth hockey standpoint, um, but also reaching out to local municipalities. Who are the nonprofits? What are the charities that we can be involved with? Where can we volunteer? How can we introduce people to the Chicago Steel? And, and selfishly, how do we develop our players? Because our, our job is to develop the players that we have, not just on the ice, but educationally as well. They're going from here to, to college. And so they need to have their 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 academics in order, um, but as human beings. And so a lot of that is the team volunteering that we're doing, uh, running character development assemblies in school and healthy living assemblies and things along those lines. So it's integral to what we do. And then in turn, we we benefit from that. And it's wonderful to see new fans come through our doors and recognize how incredible the product that we have both on and off the ice is. And they can then go back and say, I saw these guys when, um, and the best thing about the minor leagues, as you guys know, baseball, hockey, just across the board is the accessibility, the accessibility to players, autographs after, after every game, the chance to chance to to meet the players uh, in the lobby. That they're just they're kids. That that shine hasn't worn off for a 16 to 20 year old that's playing in the USHL. In terms of a a kid coming up and asking for their autograph, that's as exciting for our players as it is for the kid that's making that request. So it's an awesome level to be at, and it it goes back to you know a, a community doesn't need a team, but a team needs a community. Paulie. You were mentioning that, uh, you know, interning or working with Mike Vack. So that just makes me think of some of the creative ways that Mike and his father brought people out to see their teams. Uh, what are some of your favorite promotions that you've done over the years that have helped attracted people to come and see the seal? Well, we're never going to match vasectomy night on Father's Day, the, the Mike Vack promotion in <laughs> Charleston, South Carolina. Like we're, we're just not, we're not, we're not going to be able to, to reach, to reach those heights. Um, you know, it, it's funny. We, we look back and there's a mix of irreverence that we, that we love and trying to step, you know, step outside the, the box and, and do the, the minor league, you know, thing, which I think in the past probably, you know, people look down on and they, you know, the, the minor league antics. Well, well, now you see it at the major league level. All these innovations of, you know, running the bases after the game and fireworks shows and concerts on the field all started at the minor league level. At least many of them did and now have made their way to the to the pro level because you realize it has to be about fun. It has to be about entertainment. It has to be about bringing not just hockey fans to the rink, but non-hockey fans to the rink uh, and giving them something beyond just the sport on the ice. Like we're, we're confident you're going to fall in love with the best live sport on the planet on the ice, but it's those other things um, that we do, the, the teddy bear toss that we do annually where, uh, you know, which has become a junior hockey tradition. We didn't start it, but we certainly are, are proud to take part in it where um, when the, the home team scores its first goal of the night, everyone tosses a stuffed animal onto the ice and it's donated to charity um we've done blades of steel night going back to the old uh old video game blades of steel and had a had a blast with that um i'm trying to think of the of the best of on the spot they all seem to blur together and, and again um some of them won't rise to the same level of uh, of a vecchian type uh type promotion um but it's the idea that can we get people to the rink, um, give them a compelling reason to come here. And once they come here, they're going to fall in love. And then the ability to do it affordably, like that's that's what we're selling. We're selling a $10 ticket, free parking, um, affordable concessions. And, uh, you know, for, for your kids, I have an eight-year-old and a six-year-old. This, this is as cool as it gets for them to to it, it doesn't matter that the player in the jersey um isn't getting paid you know hundreds of thousands of dollars to play for them it, it's the experience that it's all about so uh it's it's been awesome Dev? Yeah, well, Dan, if you're looking for another promotion, you can have sports cubicle night. The kids could try to race us on the ice and we'll fall on our faces constantly because we're old men and these kids just glide right past us. But I did want to ask Dan. Uh, bowling. We, we do human slingshot bowling during intermission. So there we um, go, guys. You, you guys are, are certainly eligible to participate. <laughs> There's three of us. 
But uh, Dan, I just want to say, um, you've been in this team since about 2015 now. And what would you say is your greatest accomplishment so far? Like what you're most proud of that you've done since coming in here? Uh, it, it hasn't it hasn't been me. It's been the the group of people that we have. Um, and, and that's probably what I'm most proud of is that the development aspect has translated and permeated our organization at every level. We've moved players on to collegiate hockey uh, and ultimately to the pros. Certainly we can point to uh, recent successes, having the number one overall pick in the draft in Owen Power uh, two years ago, who's now having success at the NHL level with the Buffalo Sabres uh, to us is just as awesome as Mark Johnstone, who came in here, uh, you know, didn't have the the buzz around him in 2015, 2016, became our captain the following year, um, went off, had a successful career, Sacred Heart became the captain there, and is now in the American Hockey League with the Toronto Marlies having success. I think he had two game-winning goals um, or two goals the the last in the last week. And so it, it's a combination of those stories of, you know, the really highly touted players that we've been fortunate to, to work with and develop um, and, and have success in the NHL draft. That year that Owen got drafted, we had three picks uh, in the first round uh, with Matt Coronado to the Flames and Mackie Samuskevich to the Florida Panthers. Um, this, you know, this year, Adam Fantilli is going to go either number, you know, one, two or three. One's probably taken at this point after Connor Bedard's performance at the World Juniors, but um, perhaps number two, perhaps number three. Um, and he's having an unbelievable year at the University of Michigan right now. Uh, so he's a Hopi Baker candidate as a as a freshman. But then on the coaching side, we, we lost our coach a month before this season began, Brock Sheehan. Why? Because he got a job at the Carolina Hurricanes as the head coach of the Chicago Wolves. How awesome is that? And, and, and Greg Moore before him, moving from the Chicago Steel to the Toronto Marlies as their head coach. Two years earlier, Dan Muse, who helped us win a Clark Cup in 2016-17, goes from our bench to an assistant coach for the Nashville Predators in the National Hockey League. Ryan Hardy, our general manager, now an assistant general manager with the Toronto Maple Leafs. So those are the types of stories that I think we're, we're proudest of, uh, of really sticking to development. Yes, we've we've hung banners and we've won two Clark Cup championships. That's That's awesome. It's about development here and uh, and the way that we've done it, um, I, I would like to think is is unmatched in in junior hockey, um, at least the, the style and way that we've gone about it. Um, and and so that's that's what we're proudest of. Dan, this is something that I really wanted to run by you. And, you know, if you could tell by our significant others, we like to talk and engage with people who are way, way, way smarter than us here on the sports cubicle. So obviously you are here classing up the place and making us all seem smarter and giving us some credentials, some, ben some benefits, if you will. But this is something I want to run by you, right? Where we're in a new, new age of sports, things are changing and we incorporate different teachings. We, we learn from mistakes, right? And here locally, it was a heart. It was a gut punch. Some of the, the news that came out from, the Blackhawks and the lawsuit and everything. And it's something we've covered here. And then on the ice, the way the game sport, the changes, the sport changes, whether it's rule changes and implementing them, the Chicago steel, the organization, the family, how open have you guys been? Are you guys to being open to changes, to adapting to when something like that happened to install it in the age group that you, that your athletes are the fan base, the community to, see some of these things that have happened, whether it's the Big Brother organization, all the way down to the local mom and pop bakery to install and make sure that you're in the, the forefront of innovation and also making sure that you're keeping up with everything social because these are athletes that are going to be part of our community. How important is that as an organization? Somebody like you who is so well-respected that the, the Chicago Steel are doing that. You know, it's a great question. And you touched on it in the question, the age group that we have. We are so fortunate that we get the players at this, yeah, and we're a young team for our league. So mostly 16, 17, 18 year olds. And we have a unique opportunity to help shape the future hockey culture. And we take that really seriously. And so it's a big part of, of what we do. Um, how we go about our business. We take a lot of pride in the fact that we're not just developing hockey players. We are developing young men. Uh, they are in our care. 
uh, some of whom are away from home for the first time. They live with host families in this area. Um, I think we only have one player from this market, from Chicagoland, uh, on our current roster. So the other 24 guys are from all over, some outside the, the United States. Um, and so it's this network of our coaches and our staff here at the rink, our housing families at home, our education coordinator who's working with them academically, uh, all teaming up to try and and mold and develop these 16, 17, 18 year olds. And uh, this is what's happened in this market uh, certainly has resonated throughout the, the hockey world and the hockey community. And we, we reached out to the Blackhawks uh, shortly after and said, how can we help? What initiatives can we partner on? Um, can we push forward? Because we're fortunate. We get these players at this age where we feel like we can make an impact that's then going to resonate in locker rooms for years to for years to come. And uh, we, we work with USA Hockey as well on that and, and various initiatives. So, um, yeah, it, it's it's top of mind. Um, and uh and and something that we think about every day. Dan, uh, we could do this all day. Uh, Dev's going to bring us home in just a second. You guys have awesome stuff coming up. But before we let you go, is there anything, you know, we're here in Chicagoland. We're here to support. We love youth hockey here. We think there's something great about just general, whether it's sports, club sports, or it's you know, your music, whatever. There's something about the youth being active that, you know, we're all about here on WCPT, on the sports cubicle. And before, we you know, we let Dev kind of tag it all and bring it all home. Is there anything that you want Chicagoland to know, anything? that they any way they can support any way they can can enjoy what you guys are doing the awesome uh, stuff you and the team are doing over at the chicago steel come to a game that that's the biggest thing is if you haven't been to a chicago steel game come see us at the fox valley ice arena in geneva as, as i mentioned tickets start at ten dollars um there's uh you know free parking um and the product you're going to see on the ice these are future nhl players um they're future collegiate uh, stars uh, on our roster right now i mentioned him before macklin celebrini who is projected right now as the potential number one overall pick in the 2024 draft uh, we have several players that have already been selected by nhl teams and others that will this coming june beyond that it's family fun it's, it's affordable. It's entertainment. There's a theme every night. Uh, we have Chicago Blackhawks night, as you mentioned, coming up on the 18th of, of February. Um, the following day, we have a, a sports card giveaway, Chicago Steel trading cards that we'll be uh, giving away. Coming up over the course of the year, we have military appreciation night. We have wiener dog races. You can enter your, your dachshund to, to take the ice during intermission um, and participate in our annual wiener dog races. Uh, we mentioned slingshot bowling. There's always something fun that's going on. It's a night of of entertainment akin to minor league baseball. Um, and so if you haven't been to a steel game, make a make plans to join us. We still have a dozen or more home games over the course of the year, and we hope to make a long playoff run as well. A huge shout out to uh, you, Dan, to the Chicago Steel, to Rachel, and of course, you know, our amazing, the best producer and co-host, Devin, for setting this all up. Dev, uh, you want to bring us home, my guy? Sure. Dan, if they want to buy tickets, where should they go? ChicagoSteelHockeyTeam.com. We couldn't get a longer website address, <laughs> so uh, we had to stick just with ChicagoSteelHockeyTeam.com. Thank you, Dan. That was uh, President of Chicago Steel, Dan Lev. And I mean, unless you want me to call you President of Chicago Steel. And again, two-time Dave T Tyler, USHL Executive of the Year, only two-timer, Dan Lev, whichever you prefer. It's all on the business card. Don't worry. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Dan. Thanks, Dan. Thanks, guys.